And here we go. Another edition of Jamal About Sports. Coming to you on a Wednesday, May 8th, 9th, 2018. Kicking off the show on top by the Killers. Big show to get to. We've got uh, Major League Baseball, lots of Mets news to discuss. Lots of NBA action as well, including the uh, latest in the long line of uh, head coaches for the New York Knicks. But we start with the New York Mets and Major League Baseball. And uh, look, <laughs> after the uh, the euphoria of the rousing 11-1 start, uh, the Mets have uh, crashed back down to earth 7-15 in their last 22 games. Um, have not played well. Have not pitched well, aside from uh, a couple of okay outings from Noah Syndergaard, uh, a couple of really good ones from Degrom, but that they didn't even win. Um, and then pretty much everybody else has been awful. You got the whole Matt Harvey saga, which has finally been put to bed. We'll get into the trade in a little bit. Finally, dumping Harvey after designating him for assignment. Uh, and trading him to the Reds for a catcher named Devin Mesoraco. Um, but look, what you're seeing now, and I get it, it's 22 games, okay? Um, but what you're seeing now from the Mets are all of the things that worried you if you were a Mets fan coming into the season. And that is, um, Mets has been bad. For the most part. Now, his last start, he was okay, right? Six innings, two runs. That's the longest he's gone in uh, this year and dating back to last year, six innings, though. Um, so, Matt's has not been very good. Wheeler has not been very good. He's had a couple of okays. He had one really good start, one okay start. And then other than that, I mean, his last start against the Rockies, he was horrendous, non-competitive. All right, had to put the Mets in an 8 nothing hole. Or something like that. 5 nothing hole. Sorry, Mets got back two, and then he gave up another two. So he's been bad. Jason Vargas, who was supposed to come here and provide stability, um, coming off of a good year on its surface last year with the Royals at 18 and 11. But um, if you dig a little deeper, he was absolutely atrocious in the second half of the year last year. Uh, he was an all-star. He was like 10-2 and two or something in the all-star break and then was terrible in the second half of the year with a six-something ERA. He's been nothing short of a disaster so far. Made his third start last night for the Mets. He was awful again. And in fact, this is how bad Jason Vargas has been. Last night, four innings, four runs. That's his best start so far as a Met. ERA sitting at a tidy 13.80. Now it's three starts. And, of course, in classic Mets irony, one of the reasons he was signed was to provide uh, a veteran presence and a guy that uh, has been relatively healthy. So he was supposed to be sort of a back end of the rotation, fourth or fifth starter type, innings eater, kind of play the role that Bartolo Colon played so well for the Mets in 2014, 15, and 16. And, of course, what happens he gets hit on his uh, non-pitching hand with a line drive in spring training that derails uh, his spring training. And so the Mets made him had him make one rehab start. And then since he's been back again, he's been really bad. Now, 
the thing you have to remember about guys like Vargas, who is a uh, you know soft tossing lefty, right finesse pitcher, is all of their pitches. You know that he's a change up guy, right? Not gonna doesn't throw. Can't can't even hit ninety on the radar gun, right? High eighties with the fastball. Has to be able to locate. Has to have bite on on the changeup. Has to be able to drop out of the zone, right? He's got to get swings and misses on swings and misses on pitches that aren't strikes. Well, you know he has no feel for any of his pitches right now. He's a feel pitcher with no feel, which is not altogether surprising, given the fact that again he missed a, a significant portion of spring training and, and started the season late. So. While certainly the results are not what you want, not even close, um, I wouldn't jump ship on the guy just yet. I think what you'll see, I mean, he looked a little bit better last night than he did in his previous start. His first start against the Padres was horrendous. His next start wasn't very good, although, you know, he got hurt on a couple of bad 0-2 pitches. Now, listen, I understand you can look at every bad start, I guess, from a pitcher and say, well, you know, oh, one pitch here, one pitch there. Look, you're, you're trying to look for some signs, right, that this guy isn't completely washed up and the Mets haven't made yet another idiotic decision. Um, and so, while, again, I understand it's frustrating to watch how bad he's been, I'm not ready to give up on the guy just yet. Again, field pitcher. He has no feel for his pitches right now. He's trying to find it still. Um, I suspect he'll be much better in his next start. Or at least respectable. You know, six innings, three runs, something like that. Which is what you generally expect from a guy who's a fourth or a fifth starter. So he's been bad. Max has not been very good. Wheeler's not been very good. Harvey was horrendous. That leaves you with, you know, Thor and DeGrom. And by the way, Thor, other than that one great start against the Cardinals, which the Mets manager, of course, found a way to lose because they can't play defense that game, uh, he hasn't been great either. Admittedly so, by the way. He's, he's even said, listen, well, I guess I'm getting my mediocre starts out of the way now so I can dominate in September. Look, you, he, Thor is, is, if nothing, not entertaining. I mean, he, he really is. He's got a, a quick wit and uh, says does some funny stuff on Twitter. But in any event, so if you look at it from that standpoint, right, you're trying to look at the glass half full here, uh, the pitching, which is, again, what's supposed to be the strength of the Mets team, has not been good. And yet there's still two games over 500. Uh, the bullpen, after a, a nice hot start to the year, has been bad. Because Callaway keeps using them ridiculously. Now, I understand part of it is because these starters aren't any good. But, you know, again, and I said this three weeks ago, you cannot, this formula is not sustainable. It isn't. You know, I understand. These guys want to just keep blindly falling back on analytics and, you know, this whole idea that you can't ever let a guy go through the third the third time through the order anymore. And I mean, look, 
I understand Robert Gazelman has looked much better as a reliever than he did as a starter last year. He is certainly no sure thing because he had four nice outings to start the year. I mean, he had an outing the other day where he was absolutely horrendous. He gave up four runs in an inning. Uh, you know, and, and yet Callaway is acting as if this guy's got like a five-year track record as some, you know, lockdown reliever that can give you multiple innings. I mean, he may develop into that. But, you know, you don't know. They don't know. He's never done this before. You can't just keep using these guys every day. Same goes for Seth Lugo. Same goes for Paul Sewald, who's been a revelation, a nice surprise out of the bullpen. He's given the Mets multiple innings on several occasions when they've really needed him. But, you know, again, it's not even Memorial Day, and these guys have been used a ton. And look, Familia, I understand he's blown three saves. One of those was that game in St. Louis when Lagares came in for defense and, of course, couldn't catch a ball that he normally catches. Was it an, an easy play? Was it a can of corn? No. But it's a ball that Juan Lagares nine, nine times out of ten makes the play on. And, because, of course, because it was in St. Louis, it was scored a hit. Um, you know, Familia will be fine. Look, to me, Familia is the, the, the least of the Mets' concerns. Jerry Blevins has been terrible. You know, he's a lefty specialist, can't get lefties out. Um... You know, you know my feelings on AJ uh, Ramos. He's just not any good, um, and walks the world with the, the number cardinal sin for a relief pitcher. So, look, the Mets bullpen isn't all that good. You know, Anthony Swarzak, who you know had one nice year last year. So, of course, you know, lazy Sandy Alderson because he can't ever go find anybody else. You know, that was his one big bullpen move. And of course, the guy hasn't even pitched this year because he's hurt. Shocker! <laughs> what a surprise. And now the Mets just transferred him to the 60-day DL. I, you know, if the Mets see him at all this year, it'll be probably, what, August? Right? We're May, June, July, maybe August, mid to late August, September. So from a pitching standpoint, it's not been good at all. And then you look at the lineup, and it's just it's a poorly constructed lineup. I mean, this is, this is exactly what we've been saying as Mets fans and Mets observers you know, for a while. On, on on their surface, right, the guys that saw Alderson and company went out and, and acquired, they're, they're, they're nice players. But when you try to fit them together in a major league lineup, they don't fit. You know, I understand everybody loves Todd Frazier. Mets fans wanted Mike Moustakis. And while Todd Frazier hasn't been terrible, of course he went on the DL yesterday. As he, his, his official Mets rite of passage is, has now been uh, completed. He went on the DL yesterday. Um, and it supposedly won't be a long-term thing. We'll see. It's a hamstring issue. Those tend to linger. Um, but, you know, Moustakis is hitting 300 with 10 home runs and 28 RBIs. And by the way, had to go crawling back to the Royals on a one-year deal for about $6 million. So he would have cost less than Todd Frazier. Or at the, at the very worst, if the Mets gave Moustakas the same contract they gave Frazier, you would have been thrilled. Two years, $16 million or whatever it was. $17 million. Right? And look, I, again, I'm not anti-Todd Frazier. I, I mean, look, he, 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 he's not my favorite. His swing is hideous. 
he's supposed to be this great defender. Uh, I have not seen it. A bunch of plays he hasn't made this year. He's made some good ones, but there's a bunch of plays that he hasn't made. He's very chirpy, which, you know, again, team, you know, you, you, you hear other people say, you know, he's a very good clubhouse guy. Oh, all right, I'll buy that. You know, he's also been here for four seconds. Never a great sign when a guy just showed up is supposed is one of your more vocal leaders. But um, in any event, you know, I would have preferred Moustakis. I think most Mets fans would agree. You know, bringing Jay Bruce back, again, I, I'm a Jay Bruce fan. Great guy, solid player. Doesn't really fit in this lineup. He just doesn't. You know, there's, a, there's too many guys that are the same. It's like when they had Cabrera and Neil Walker. Both nice players, but, you know, you can't have your second baseman and your shortstop have no range. You know, good shorthanded guys, but with zero range. I mean, that doesn't work. And it's amazing that Sandy Alderson and his lieutenants don't understand these things. You know, Adrian Gonzalez, they took a flyer on him to play first base and supposedly pushed Dom Smith, who, by the way, of course, is, is has, you know, had a horrendous spring training, started by, you know, showed up late to his first game, then got hurt. He's been, you know, mediocre at AAA in a hitter's paradise in the Pacific Coast League in Vegas. He's not exactly killing the ball down there. Reports are he's, he's a little, you know, he's not exactly... Uh, Engaged, which is understandable, to be fair. I mean, look, it's not a good look. I understand that. But, you know, he probably spent a whole year down there last year. Probably hates it. It's a bad team in general. They get blasted almost every night. Um, so it's understandable. I mean, you don't like to see it, but it's understandable. But anyway, I mean, look, Adrian Gonzalez short of like three nice games. You know, he had the big game the other night against the Reds where he hit two home runs. Um, you know, he had that grand slam on that Sunday night game against uh, Washington. And he had a, a big game in San Diego on a Sunday. Other than that, he hadn't really given you much. You know, and again, Bruce, Frazier, Gonzalez, they're all kind of similar. Plotting... You know, professional hitters on the wrong side of 30 that are kind of plotting players. You know, they, they, they clog up the base paths, particularly Gonzalez. I mean, I've never seen anybody as slow as he is. I mean, he hits the ball on the ground. He could hit a, a 22 hopper, and if there's a guy on base, it's still going to be a double play. That's how slow he is. Now, Bruce and Frazier aren't quite that bad, but they're not exactly uh, ath- athletic. And look. Michael Conforto has been nothing short of horrendous so far. I mean, he's been awful to start the year. I mean, you know, and again, he, he they, the Mets were very cautious with him. He missed a lot of time, obviously, coming off the injury from last year. It's not unexpected. And at least when he, the season first started, when they, first, when they brought him back off the DL after the first week of the year, at least he was getting on base a lot and walking. Um, but since then, that stopped, and, and, and he's not hitting at all. You know, he has two home runs. Jay Bruce has three home runs. You know, Cespedes got off to a slow start. He's gotten hot lately, um, but he's still not locked in yet. 
you know, had a bunch of game-winning hits. He's still way up there in RBIs, but he's not locked in. The catching situation is the worst in Major League Baseball. I mean, it's the worst in Major League Baseball. You cannot find a worse catching situation in Major League Baseball than what the Mets have. Now, they just got this guy, Devin Mezzarocco, from the Reds. Look, the likelihood that he's the answer to their problems is small. It's low. This is a guy who was an all-star four years ago in 2014, has had a, a rash of injuries since, and has not even remotely uh, approached the same player, the all-star that he was in 2014. Is it worth taking a flyer on him because you got him in for, for Matt Harvey? Sure. Why not? But... You know, the idea that the Mets should be done looking for catching help is ridiculous. Because the other two guys on the team are not major league quality catchers. Jose Lobatone is, I'm sorry, not major league quality, and neither is Thomas Nido. Right? Tomas Nido was started the year in double A. He hit two thirty at double A last year. He's supposed to be good defensively, he's okay. And, you know, the idea that, oh, we're going to hold down the fort until the great Kevin Ploiecki comes back. I mean, he was horrible this year. And he's he's never been good for the Mets. Except for meaningless games in September last year, he's never shown anything. So the Mets should still be beating the bushes for a quality major league catcher. Now, let's get to the Harvey situation. Um... You know, all the stories, the fall from grace and all this stuff. And, you know, you had a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, it's always drama surrounding Matt Harvey. So from that standpoint, you know, and again, just like anything else, if he was performing, most of that stuff gets overlooked. But he wasn't, and he hasn't for a long time. He's been a bad major league pitcher since game five or whatever it was of the world game six of the world series and what the Mets lose in five and yeah game five of the world series in 2015 I mean he's been bad like really bad so from that standpoint no big deal like you're not losing anything um to be fair to him again two major surgeries Tommy John and then the thoracic outlet I don't think any pitchers had both. You can see that his stuff is diminished. You read these stories of other, other teams. Oh, he's still got the stuff. And no, he doesn't. And he doesn't right now. Maybe it'll come back at some point. He doesn't now. I mean, his fastball, you know, he can occasionally touch 95. And again, you know, you take some of these radar gun readings with a grain of salt anyway, you know. And velocity isn't everything. You can just tell. The life that he once had on his fastball is not there. The bite on his off-speed pitches are not there. He can't ever throw anything for a strike. He tries to throw the ball inside. It's down the middle. He tries to throw it outside. It's down the middle. He's just hes a complete mess. So the Mets asked him to go down in the minor leagues last week. He, of course, declined. The Mets knew he was going to decline. And, you know, they tried to say, oh, look, Cliff Lee went, got sent down in the Myers. Roy Halladay got sent down in the Myers, which is true. But they knew he was going to say no. I'm, uh, my, I, I suspect they wanted him to say no. They, they wanted to be done with him. And I don't blame him. 
I really don't. Again, uh, way too much drama for, for, for you know, no production. Right? So, from that standpoint, it made a ton of sense. But again, I will go back to this. Okay? Yes, Matt Harvey liked the limelight. He craved it. He embraced it. Right? He embraced the whole Dark Knight moniker. But the Mets organization created this monster. Okay? And why did that happen? Well, let's see. We can go back to the Madoff scandal, right? And then the Mets basically stripping down their team and not being able to pay anybody. Um, you can go back to the fiasco that was the end of Omar Minaya's uh, tenure, right? The whole Tony Bernazard thing. Right, and then Omar accusing a writer of, of trying to get a job. I mean, remember, it was a clown show. A clown show! That's what, 08, 10 years ago? And then they hired Sandy Alderson to put an end to all this nonsense, right? He was going to come in, and, and, and remember, also, the Mets had all the stuff with the injuries, right? Guys were going to be out for two days, and they would miss the season. The Mets could never get on the same page when it came to that stuff. And Sandy Alderson was going to clean up all of that. And he was going to have these great drafts, too. Because he's the sage Sandy Alderson. Joel Sherman and John Harper and all the baseball, you know, uh, grandmasters breathlessly exclaimed, oh, finally, Sandy Alderson is here. A real professional. None of that's happened, by the way. None. The injury stuff is a joke. Still, we'll see this year. They finally address it by getting new trainers and all this other stuff. We'll see. The drafts have been exceedingly bad. Exceedingly bad. But getting back to the Harvey situation. So when Harvey got called up in 13, I think it was 13, um, he was the only thing the Mets had that made you interested. And so they put him up on this pedestal. They kissed his rear end every two seconds. They let him do whatever the hell he wanted to do. And they created this monster. Again, the Mets are a poorly run organization. And guess where it starts, folks? Freddie and Jeffy, boy. Listen, I say this all the time. I'll say it again. You have bad ownership. It is near impossible to have any sustained level of success near impossible because it 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 permeates and filters down through the whole organization because they're the ones that set the tone they're the ones that hire the front office guys and the front office guys hire the managers or the coaches and it just sets a bad tone and look it's been like this forever you know yes do the Mets have a couple of successful seasons every now and then? Late 90s with Valentine. 06 with Randolph. 
15 with Collins. But then what, what happens in between? Lots of losing and embarrassing. Embarrassingly so. That's the Mets. And what's the one common denominator? Look, lots of new, you know, new GMs, new coaches, new players. What's the one common denominator? What's the one constant? The owners. So I understand Harvey is not blameless by any stretch in this whole situation, but the Mets are as much to blame as an organization because they're Mickey Mouse. They are a Mickey Mouse organization. All right, we'll take a short break, and we'll be back right after this. Okay, we are back here, ladies and gentlemen, in another edition of Jamal About Sports. By the way, just to further underscore <laughs> the di- how, how poor a job Sandy Alderson ha- has done as far as drafting players and developing players, all you have to do is look at the other day where the Mets needed a pitcher because they, they you know, DeGrom got hurt swinging a bat, had to leave the game early a couple of uh, last week. Um, Sire Leaf supposedly was fine. He got hurt swinging the bat. It wasn't throwing a pitch. They thought he was going to make his next start. The Mets finally, at the 11th hour, came to their senses and said, you know, let's put him on the DL, push him back at least to start. So they needed to call somebody up from the minor leagues. They called up a kid named P.J. Conlon, who is basically Jason Vargas light, right? He's a soft-tossing lefty. Uh, and not surprisingly, in that stadium, you know, Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, which is a hitter's paradise, yeah, he was not very good. Uh, Mets got the win anyway because you know, the Reds pitcher was even worse, Homer Bailey. But in any event, that's who the Mets called up. When the Yankees needed a guy to fill in, they uh, <laughs> they call, they they put um, Domingo Herman uh, in the rotation and threw sh- six shutout innings. Now, I'd seen this kid come in in a game earlier in the season for the Yankees in relief where he threw three innings. Now, the Yankees are already losing the game, so you know it's a little bit different. But you can just tell that, you know, so he threw three shutout innings with no pressure. But you could just tell the, the kid has really good stuff. You know, mid-90s, high-90s fastball, good off-speed. I mean, you can tell he's got nasty stuff. So, you know, again, Yankees need somebody. That's who they go to. The Mets go, go to a soft-tossing lefty because they have nobody, nobody in the minor leagues that anybody would want. From a starting pitching standpoint, no one. No one. And I keep hearing, oh, well, you know, all the trades. The, the, Mets have, the Mets have traded one starting pitcher who's in the major leagues right now. Michael Fulmer, who they got Cespedes back for. That was a good trade. Fulmer's been a good pitcher for the, for the Tigers, although he's not having a very good year this year so far. And obviously the Mets got Cespedes. Other than that, there's nobody else the Mets traded that's doing anything anywhere. And, you know, look, Brendan Nimmo, I'm a fan. Mets can't find a spot for him. Conforto, okay. You know, we all think he's going to be good. I mean, look, he had a nice year last year in about two-thirds of a season. And he, and he looked good when he came up at the end of uh, 15. He was okay in 16. Those are Sandy's big hits. A guy who's a fourth outfielder, 
and another guy who, you know, still has a lot to prove in Conforto. All right, Ahmed Rosario, I mean, the book is still very much out on him. Right? You see some athleticism from him. He's got a good arm. He's got good range at shortstop. He's also, you know, made a couple of errors that he shouldn't have made. He's extremely undisciplined as a hitter. I think he has three walks this year, four walks maybe. Swings at everything. Now, you get, he's got a little pop in his bat. I think he's got strong wrists, strong hands. You know, he's still young. I think he's 22, 23 years old. He may develop. You hope that he does. But he's got a long way to go. Dom Smith looks like he's gonna in, in, about to flame out into bust mode. All right, Gavin Cicchini, who was a first-round pick, uh, had a nice spring training. He's at AAA. Where, where are the other Mets prospects? Where are they? You know, Alderson's been here, what, seven years now? And you have one starter and a fourth outfielder and another starter, I guess two starters, one at shortstop, one in the outfield in Conforto, and a fourth outfielder. That's You have three guys on your major league roster from your drafts. That's what Sandy Alderson has delivered in seven years? That's ridiculous. Look what the Yankees have done. I hate to, I hate to keep comparing the Yankees, but look, it's very simple. One organization is well run and one isn't. And you see the results. You know, the Yankees have much better positional talent from a, a prospect standpoint in their organization than the Mets do. And yet they still went out and got Stanton. The Mets are practically, the cupboard is practically bare. And what do they do? They bring back Jay Bruce because that's what Sandy Ellison does. He's, the, the moves they make are uninspired and lazy. Oh, Todd Frazier. Well, we watched him play for two months for the Yankees last year. Let's just bring him over here. Sure. Why not? When Moustakis would have been a better option. So, look. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, you think the Yankees would have put up with any of this Matt Harvey garbage all these years? I think not. Again. Speaking of the Yankees, they're red hot. First place now. I think they've won 15 out of 16. Everything going right for them. Comeback wins. They're getting good pitching from pretty much everywhere. The games, they don't get a lot of good pitching. They, they score a ton, a ton of runs. Um... You know, look, they're going to hit a lull. It's baseball. It happens. Um, but overall, I mean, that looks like a very strong team. You know, I know Batantis has had some hiccups here and there. Robertson's had a couple of hiccups here and there. But, uh, you know, Sonny Gray, for the most part, has been awful. His last start was pretty good. You know, their starting pitching is probably good enough. Is it great? No. The Yankees are making the playoffs. I mean, that's, let's, they're making the playoffs. Whether they win a division or a wild card, they're making the playoffs. I mean, unless, you know, they get a million injuries and the the wheels fall off. But uh, short of that, they're making the playoffs. It's a good team. And the Red Sox should, too. Although they're starting pitching after getting off to a nice start. You know, Price has not been good. But they still got Sale, who's great. Porcello's having a very good year so far. 
Uh, but, you know, Drew Pomerantz, eh, he pitched okay for the Yankees last night. Red Sox bullpen in front of Kimbrell, little dicey. So, you know, but the Red Sox lineup is good. Betts is having a great year. Bogarts is having a great year. Hanley Ramirez has had a resurgent year. Um, you know, Devers can hit. Mitch Moreland's having a good year. J.D. Martinez, who they signed in free agency, is having a good year. Ben Tendi is starting to come around. They need Jackie Bradley Jr. to start hitting. Um, but Red Sox should be fine. One of those teams win the division. One of them is going to make the wild card. That's for sure. All right, we'll do a little pepper, go around the league. Uh, guy I wanted to bring your attention to is guy kid who pitches for the Brewers. I saw him come in a game against the Mets a few weeks back. Made the Mets hitters look silly. And, um, of course, I was kind of like, you know, who's this guy? Are you kidding me? Uh, kind of looks like Randy Johnson, a tall, lanky lefty. He's got, like, the you know, the mullet, the, the long hair. Um, but uh, let's see. His name is – last name is Hader. I want to say Bill Hader because I'm thinking of the uh, – I'm thinking of the uh, the guy from Saturday Night Live and uh, this new show, Barry, on HBO, by the way, which is fantastic. Uh, but hold on. Josh Hader. Okay. He has, in 22 innings, ready for this? You ready for this? Listen to this line. He's got five saves, 22 innings, five hits. Six walks, 46 strikeouts. That, my friends, is just under 19 strikeouts per nine innings. He's got a whip of .50. A whip whip of one is really good. Anything under one is outstanding. His is .50. They've got themselves, uh, it would appear, uh, quite a future closer on their hands in uh, Josh Hader. And then even Jeremy Jeffress, who they've had, then they traded, and they got back, he's off to a very nice start, too, with a a .45 ERA out of the bullpen. They've got a pretty good bullpen, the the, the Brewers. I don't love their starting staff. You know, Wade Miley, eh. Uh... Who are, their, who are their other stars? Jo- Julie Chassin, eh. Chase Anderson, eh. I mean, these guys are all kind of middle to back of the road. Zach Davies, they're all sort of middle to the back of the rotation kind of guys. But Brewers have a good lineup. And, you know, good lineup, good enough starting pitching with an outstanding bullpen. You know, you can win games that way. And I, look, what, what are they? 21 and 15, tied for first in the Central. So. Give them credit. You know, they went out and got uh, Lorenzo Cain and Kristen Yelich, added some much-needed athleticism to that outfield, and, you know, two good bats. Brewers are, you know, they'll, they'll, they should be around. Be interesting to see if they go ahead and try to make a deal at the deadline to get a, a top-quality starter in there. That'll be the big uh, question, I think, for the Brewers, if they want to make that next, that next step. Um... What else? What were the other teams I wanted to, to talk about here when I get when we're talking little MLB? Um, well, in the in the in the 
<laughs> again, to underscore how what a bad job Sandy Alderson has done, uh, you look at the Braves and their stable of young players, right? They, they called up uh, the Acuna kid, who's looked great. Ozzy Albies has had a great year so far. Uh, Dansby Swanson, who I like to call Darby Shaw, uh, who had a bad rookie year last year, is having a good year this year. You know, add add that to Freddie Freeman and Ender Inciarte, who kills the Mets. Um, and you know, look, they've got a couple of good young veterans like Freeman and Inciarte. Now you've got the three kids in, in Swanson, Okunia, and Albies. Um, you know, Markakis has had a good year for them. Another you know veteran. Uh, Braves lineup is good. And their pitching is, is exceeded expectations so far. So they're not nearly as bad as everybody, myself included, thought they were. I mean, look, I thought I knew their lineup was going to be good. I was not. I did not expect their pitching to be as good as it's been so far. We'll see if that uh, stays the case for the rest of the year. And the Phillies have have su- surpassed expectations so far as well. Um. So you know when you looked, you know the, the conventional wisdom again, almost always wrong. Uh, when you looked at the season to start was, well, the good thing for the Mets is they're going to play the Marlins, the Phillies, and the Braves 19 times each. And so they should be able to beat up on those teams and get a lot of wins if they want to try to compete with the Nationals. Well, all three of those, uh, again, Phillies and Braves have been much better as advertised. You know what? And even the Marlins, um, for as bad as they are and as they look, first of all, the Marlins give the Mets fits constantly anyway. Doesn't matter if the Marlins are good, bad, and different. They always are a pain in the Mets' neck. And look, they're bad. They're 13 and 22. They're not Reds bad. Reds are 9 and 27. Right? I mean, that's you know, the Padres are 13 and 24. So they're not having a good year, obviously. And then you go to the American League, the Orioles, poor Orioles are 8 and 27. I mean, they cannot get out of their own way. The White Sox are nine and twenty-four. Rangers are already ten games under at fourteen and twenty-four. Royals are twelve and twenty-three. I mean, look at the the AL Central. The the Indians are in first place. They're seventeen and eighteen. They're a game under five hundred. Now, the, to me, the Indians are the best team in that division by far. Uh, they'll they'll come around. They they didn't hit it all to start the year. They're finally starting to come around. They'll be fine. Again, it's not even Memorial Day. Play 35 games. They'll be fine. But in the National League, look, Braves are 20 and 14. Phillies are 20 and 15. The Nationals have gotten hot. They're 9 and 1 now in their last 10. After being under 500 for most of the year, they're now 20 and 17. And there are the Mets, 18 and 16 in fourth place. With a minus 13 run differential, by the way. Whereas the Nationals is plus 30, Braves plus 43, and the Phillies are plus 28. Now, I don't think the Phillies are going to sustain this. Um, the Braves, if they continue to get good pitching, will be uh, certainly someone to contend with, a team to contend with. And the Nationals, you know, should be good. And they've got a really good lineup. You know, Murphy still hasn't come back and played for them yet, but they've got Harper. Um, Trey Turner, and then, you know, Scherzer, Strasburg. Gio Gonzalez is your third starter, not bad. That bullpen again, though, you never know with their bullpen. 
And then in the Central, you got the Cardinals 20 and 14, Brewers 21 and 15, Pirates 20 and 16. Cubs have not played great. They're only three over. But again, a lot of season to go in the Reds, again, laughably bad at 9 and 27. And in the West, the Diamondbacks have not lost a series yet this year. They're 24 and, 11, uh, 24 and 11. The Rockies are 21 and 15, getting decent pitching, surprisingly, coming off a three game sweep of the Mets in City Field. Giants have finally righted the ship a little bit. They're 19 and 17 after a slow start. The Dodgers are a complete mess at 15 and 20, and almost everybody that's good on that team is hurt. Justin Turner's out. He just put Kershaw on the DL. Um, Puig's on the DL. Their stud shortstop Corey Seager out for the year is going to have Tommy John surgery. And all these guys like Chris Taylor, who came out of nowhere to have great years last year, guess what? They're not having great years so far this year. So um, it'll be very interesting to see if the Dodgers, you know, have a, a Metsian like year where they just they're going to be hurt all year and can't get out of their own way and are never going to be able to recover, or if they're eventually going to get some of these guys back and make a push second half of the year. And then, you know, you've got the Padres at 13 and 24 who, you know, honestly, at this point, what, why are the Padres even in Major League Baseball? Seriously. Seriously, why are they even? I mean, I talked about it three months ago. What, what were they doing signing Eric Hosmer to that big contract? Why? So they could, so they could lose 90 games instead of 100? Who, who cares? Take, take heart, Mets fans. At least we're not the Padres. <laughs> All right, shifting gears. We talk about uh, bad ownership and what that does to a team. Well, look no further than your New York Knickerbockers, who um, have hired, I think, their 11th coach since Van Gundy left. And yesterday was David Fisdale, formerly of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, you know, his claim to fame was he was an assistant with the Heat when they had LeBron and Bosch and Wade. Uh, highly uh, thought of and well-respected by those players in particular. But around the league, other coaches. Um, then had a, a falling out with Mark Gasol. The, uh, the, the star-ish center for Memphis. Uh, ownership chose the players' side, decided to fire Fisdale after a very poor start to the season last year. But, I mean, the, they weren't a very good team. Um, and and J.B. Bickerstaff, who replaced them, I mean, the, the Grizzlies were a bad team all year. Right? They're, they're going to be a lottery team. So, uh, look, I like the hire. You know, I mean, in, in, in a vacuum – Right In a normal situation, I would like to hire. He said all the right things yesterday. He talked about defense, talked about getting Moutier to get after it and improving him. Said he's open-minded you know, when it comes to Joe Kim Noah. Look, not dismissing anybody. Said all the right things. Right, He's charismatic. He's young at 43 years old. Um, you know, There's a lot to like there, right? But the problem is, is that he's coach of the Knicks. <laughs> I mean... You talk about somebody, you know, a, 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 a situation where you are already fighting an uphill battle, and that is it. I mean, the Knicks, let's see. The Knicks have won. First of all, the Knicks have the worst record in the NBA since 2001. Not coincidentally when James Dolan took over the team, okay? When he basically got Dave Checkett's out of here, and he took over the team. Knicks have the worst record in the NBA, 
Since 2001, the the team with the NBA's worst winning percentage percentage are the Knicks. Okay? Um, You know, we, we know all the history, right? You know, Dolan interfering with Donnie Walsh and insisting that the Knicks gave up half their team in draft picks for Carmelo. I mean, that trade has set this organization back 10 years. 10 years. Right? Then they finally luck in the whole Phil Jackson fiasco. Then they luck into Porzingis, it looks like. And then, of course, he blows out his knee last year. They're not sure you know, when he'll be back. Probably the earliest would be January. You know, they draft Nil Aquino over Donovan Mitchell, who's, you know, Utah just got eliminated last night by the Rockets. But Donovan Mitchell showed himself to be a star in these playoffs. And the Knicks can't even figure out what to do with Nil Aquino. They don't even know if he's a point guard or a shooting guard, even though he can't really shoot. But he's going to be a shooting guard somehow, even though he has no jump shot. So that's, that, that's interesting. We'll see how that works. Um... So, I mean, the Knicks have been a complete and utter disaster. And again, starts with the owner. I mean, I, I would say if you had to rank the worst owners in all of sports, Dolan would be number one and the Wilpons would be number two. Certainly in New York, that's for sure. The three major sports, they're the worst. But I'd say in all of sports. I mean, listen to that. So 17 years, the Knicks, for the last 17 years, they have the worst winning percentage of any team in the NBA. I mean, think about that. And they have no stars on the team. None. And I'm including Porzingis even if he was healthy. He's not a star yet. So they've drafted high. They've had lots of high draft picks. No stars. And then did they trade any of those guys and turn them into anything? No. I mean, you can't get a worse run organization. So while I want Fizdell to do well, seems like a likable guy. Again, talked about defense. That's the first word mention I've heard of that since anybody in in recent memory. Because with Phil, it was all about the triangle. And Jeff Hornacek didn't really talk about much of anything. Um, so again, said the right things, affable guys, charismatic, the odds are it's not going to end well for him, unfortunately, you know, and by the way, uh, I understand we're all glad Phil Jackson is gone and they hired Scott Perry. Steve Mills has also been part of this massive problem and how this guy has managed to survive. He's like a cockroach. It's incredible. I mean, he was part of the whole Anuka Brown-Sanders fiasco. And yet he's here he still is. Getting the, you know, and he, he, by the way, he was there for Phil. And unless he banged the table against bringing it on Phil Jackson, that's on his record too. And uh, Scott Perry, who he hired to replace Phil Jackson as GM, I guess, doesn't exactly have a sterling track record. Now, only the Knicks, of course, would let Phil Jackson make the pick of Nilakina and then fire him two days later. You know, because the eighth pick in the draft, that's not important. You don't want to make sure you get that right. So you let your, your old president and GM draft a player because he wants him to play his antiquated, outdated offense, but then you get rid of that, that, that guy 
two days after they make the selection. I mean, that, that pretty much sums it up for you, Knicks fans. That's all you need to know. So you'll forgive me if uh, I'm not exactly <laughs> optimistic about the Knicks' future. But I hope Fisdale does, I hope they give him time because it's going to take time. You know, they'll have another lottery pick this year. Of course, it's not going to be in the top five, most likely. But again, that doesn't mean you can't get a good player. Donovan Mitchell, Exhibit A, was the 13th pick in the draft last year. And they made it to the second round of the playoffs, you know, despite losing Ricky Rubio after the first round of the playoffs. Because this Mitchell kid is, is really good. Which gets brings us to the good teams in the NBA. So LeBron does what LeBron does and dispenses with the, the Toronto Raptors in, in four games. Sweep with dagger shots in, in two of the games. Uh, particularly game three where he hit a running one-hander going to his left shooting back to his right off glass with no time left. And, I mean, he had a series against Toronto that was just out of this world. I think he averaged, what, 38 points a game, like nine assists, nine rebounds. I mean, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. And as soon as the Celtics get rid of the Sixers, who, by the way, uh had proved that they are not ready for prime time. I mean, that game on Saturday where Sixers have the ball up one, about, what, 30 seconds left. They're at home. They're down 2-0. They need this win in the worst way to get back in this series. They call a play for Embiid. takes a terrible shot. Off balance, fade away. Very much a Carmelo shot. But Ben Simmons... Gets the rebound, 6'11", Ben Simmons. Now there's about 15 seconds left in the game. Instead of just holding the ball, getting fouled, or passing the ball out and trying to run time off the clock, he tries to put the ball right back up. Off-balance shot and misses. Just awful. Awful basketball by the Sixers. And then they somehow allow an inbounds pass down at the other end to get lobbed in over the top of a guy because they're fronting Al Horford for whatever reason. Mr. I like to linger around the three-point line. I have no low post game. But for some reason, they allow Al Horford to get uh, behind a guy and, and make a layup on an inbounds pass from the sideline, not from uh, underneath, the, not from the baseline, but from the sideline, from side out. Ridiculous. Awful job by Brett Brown, the Sixers coach. Terrible. The whole game, this whole series, he's been badly outcoached by Brad Stevens. So that that series, the Sixers finally got back. You know, finally got a win. They didn't get swept. Give them credit. They won the other night. They're down three one. But that's going to be Boston, Cleveland, which is a series everybody wanted to see. Except they'll be, you know, that's when everybody thought Kyrie was going to be on the team, but now he's not. But Terry Rozier has filled in more than admirably for Kyrie. And then Houston took care of the Jazz last night. Chris Paul with a huge game, 41 points. And they're going to play Golden State, who took care of the Pelicans last night. You know, Golden State got big games from their big four last night. Thompson, Curry, Durant, Draymond Green. I mean, you know, 
each of them had at least 19 points or more. You, you get games like that, nobody's beating Golden State, including Houston. And Houston, who I want to like, because I don't like Golden State very much, and I, I, I root for Dan Tony. Nice guy, got a raw deal here in New York, and it would be just lovely to see him in the NBA Finals. Um, but I, I can't root for that team because of James Harden. I, I, the, the ugliest game in the NBA, for a guy who's as good as he is and scores as many points as he does and all-around numbers, and listen, he's a great player, but his game is hideous, and he's chippy, and he's dirty, and I don't understand how somebody hasn't cold-cocked him yet. I mean, he, throw the, he throws those elbows around and flails his arms out constantly, and the refs keep falling for it when he just drives into the middle of the defense and throws elbows at guys and flails his arms out and gets bullshit calls made his way. I mean, it's unbelievable. Now, look, again, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. And Paul's been a really good player in this league for a long time, but he's another one. Very unlikable. Chippy, dirty, surly on the court demeanor. Not much to like about Chris Paul. Now, the rest of the team, you know, uh, look, PJ Tucker is the ultimate kind of glue guy, but he's, a, again, he's the kind of guy you hate him if he's, on, if he's not on your team, right? He's another one. He's a butcher, physical player. You know, can make an open three from time to time. Other than that, not much else. But, you know, he takes charges, crashes the offensive glass, sets hard screens. He's a useful player to have. But, again, if you're not a fan of that team, you can't stand guys like that. You know, Trevor Rees is a nice player. Clint Capella, their young center, I've been talking about for two years. Really good player. You know, they've got Eric Gordon, who's a scoring machine at times. Even Gerald Green can light it up in a short amount of time off the bench. I mean, that's a deep team. They are deep. The problem for, for Houston is that they've got Paul and Harden. Golden State's got Curry and Thompson. Oh, and then Durant and Draymond Green. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who that third, at least the third guy is going to be for for Houston. You know, Capella gets a lot of points on dunks, right? Because Harden gets breaks down the defense, or Paul breaks down the defense, and then he just, you know, alley oop dunks to, to Capella in that half court, and then out on the break as well. Um, who's going to be that third scoring option in the half court? Is it going to be Eric Gordon? I mean, that's their best probably chance. And then they got to go three guards. And they're going to be a size disadvantage. Who's going to guard Durant? P.J. Tucker? Eh. Ariza? Mm, maybe. I mean, you know, Durant's a tough cover. He's 6'10". So that should be an interesting series. Again, I want to root for Houston in that series. I, I guess they're the lesser of two evils. I find Golden State to be exceedingly arrogant, even though I like Steve Kerr, the coach. But, you know, I've talked at length about how annoying I find Steph Curry. Draymond Green, probably the least likable player in the NBA, or certainly one of them. Uh, you know, even Durant has gone from sort of a, a shy, humble kid to, to, you know, a real, to being annoying. He's not a bad kid, but he's, he's just, a, he's annoying. 
And, you know, the whole way he left Oklahoma City to go to Golden State after they should have beaten Golden State, and he was a main, big reason why they didn't because he had a terrible game six and then so wanted to lay it all at the doorstep of Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry, K- KD. I, I, it wasn't Russell Westbrook I saw jacking up terrible off-balance threes in a game six when you had a chance to close them out three years ago. So you're going to get Boston, Cleveland, and Houston, and Golden State, which is pretty much what everybody predicted. Now, they got there in different ways, but that's pretty much what everybody predicted. Quick side note about Toronto. Um, They need to break that team up. And I'm sorry. I hate to say I told you so, but I said it. What, months, a month ago? Two months ago? Everybody was all in love with Toronto and their bench. And that's great in a regular season. Does not play in the playoffs. It does not play in the playoffs. And I get it. DeRozan and Lowry didn't have a great series yet again. And LeBron owns Toronto. I understand that. But, you know, they've tried this formula now for, what, five years? It hasn't worked. One of those two guys has to go. Same thing in Washington. Either Beal or Wall has to go. And probably the same thing in Portland. Either McCallum or Lillard has to go. It's not working. I mean, again, it works if you want to win 45, maybe 50 games and make the playoffs. But other than that, that's, that, that's going to be your plateau. All right, that'll do it for today's show. As always, thanks for listening. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, my website, jamalaboutsports.com, uh, Twitter, at jamalaboutsport. Enjoy the rest of the sports for the week. We'll be back next week with another show. Until then, peace out.